Hello and welcome to the Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reish, your host, and I'm excited about our guest this week. It is uh, the famous uh, Father Donald Calloway, who is a Marian father, a MIC, and he's in California right now where we're recording this. And he's the author of several books, including probably the one that most people know him is uh, The No Turning Back, which I'm holding in hand. And I'm, I'm pleased to announce we finally got him in Australia at perusiamedia.com. So he's joining me live. Hello, Father. How are you doing? Hey, good to see you, man. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for carrying some of my books down there. That, I'm really honored. Thank you for doing that. Oh, it's an honor for us. Uh, we've been wanting them for years. And and I've, I'm, I was familiar with your story years ago when there was a recording on by St. Joseph Communications, uh, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, a while mm. ago. And uh, it was it touched me. I remember back then and um, amazing. That was our, one of our first sort of uh, partners back in the day and we had the right. dvd no turning back and but then you had the book and things started just taking off from there and i, I noticed uh yeah it, your story has just been widespread and, and thank god um thank you for what you've done and your yes to our lady and our lord thanks brother i appreciate it man now you've written several books so this is only i mean this is obviously the story uh, no turning back there was another one you've got here and um under the mantle which is quite interesting um mm. Marian thoughts uh, from the 21st century from from yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. quite quite interesting, and I'd, I'd love. I haven't read that one yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in. Oh, you're gonna love that. You're gonna love um, that. Yeah, I, I unpack wait. so much that's going on today, and I uh -huh. didn't even know that it was. How do I say that? So that came out about six years ago, or something like okay. that. And I'm, I was talking about like, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? all of those issues in there. And so wow. it's perfect for today. Perfect. Wow. Wow. Okay. There you go. Under the mantle. Um, then there, there's, there, I've got two in my hand and it's what, now before I jump into these, I do want to announce, I mean, we were a couple of years ago, the year of St. Joseph, amazing book, the consecration of St. Joseph. Uh, it, it impacted me and the amount of people who have devoted themselves to St. Joseph now, thanks to your work. So thank you, Father, for what you've done. And I think mm. on an international scale, what's happened, uh, global scale with that book and that devotion mm. is just being wonderful. Yeah, praise God. The, the Holy Spirit really was in charge of that whole process and everywhere. And it did. It became global. And that book is in 19 languages now. Wow. And yeah, we've sold millions of copies. And there's been such a renewal of interest uh, in St. Joseph and really bringing him in strong in these crazy times for families and um, parishes. So praise God. Yeah. St. Joseph is, he's here and so many more people are in love with him now. And man, that makes me so happy. Yeah. That's such a good thing. So good. Now um, what, what uh, I wanted to dive in, we are uh, the week of the feast of the Holy Rosary, uh, October 7, every year, the church celebrates the feast of the rosary. We did have you one a couple of years ago on a, on a pilgrimage we did about the rosary, which impacted so many people. Um, but you've written a book, and it's a, it's a it's one of my favorite books I've ever read. Um, mm. It's the Champions of the Rosary. This one here, I'm holding my hand. Um, I love this book. Uh, the way you describe the history of the Rosary and how it uh, how it came about, and then some of the champions of this Rosary. I really want to touch on that in this podcast a bit more. Mm. Um, but I just have to at least point out this one here. The difference. You. This is more of a sort of a, a smaller book, but Ten Wonders mm. of the Rosary. What would you say this one is? Is this sort of taken out of this or is this a very different uh, book? Yeah, it, some of the things are taken out of it um, because a lot of people, they said, Father, 
Champions of the Rosary is a great book, but it's it's big, right? Yes. <laughs> um, it's kind of the encyclopedia on the rosary. And so they said, you should also maybe do a smaller one, like an abridged version. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. So I did. So I did take a lot of it out of that book, but I, I changed the format and I added some things that are not in um, the big okay. book. So it's, it's, it's nice, but it, there are some differences. Okay. 10 Wonders of the Rosary. Well, I encourage people to check that one out too on this feast. But uh, yeah, this, this is, you're, you're not uh, wrong. It is a big book, uh, over 430 pages. Uh, it's, yeah. And it's not a small size. I mean, just look at, it's even, right. it's in a larger format, very thick, lots of beautiful yeah. imagery at the back. Um, so great. Can we dive into this? I mean, the rosary um, to you, I mean, what it means to you uh, and, and yeah. your devotion to the rosary uh, and right. uh, the amount of misconceptions out there about the rosary where, you know, do we really need to pray it and all that right. stuff? Can we dive into a bit of that? Um, the rosary, yeah. Can we start from the beginning? What 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 is the rosary, and then where did it begin? Yeah, so you know the rosary basically is the Bible on a set of beads. Mm -hmm. So it's comes from the Word of God, the New Testament, almost the entire prayers, really, literally, ninety percent of the prayers and the rosary come out of the New Testament. So it's praying the Word of God, and that other ten percent, you know, is basically what the church wanted us to pray um, in addition to the prayers that come right out of the New Testament. So St. Paul says, pray at all times, right? Yes. Well, you could ask yourself, well, how do we do that? You know, we're, we might be waiting at, a, at the dentist's office or walking a dog or, or mowing the grass or driving my car. Well, the rosary is a great way to be able to pray at all times because you can do it while you're walking your dog or waiting in the dentist's office or driving your car. And, you know, one of the prophets in the Old Testament says, I think it's Isaiah, that when God's word goes forth, it doesn't come back void, it bears fruit. Mm. So when you're praying the rosary, you're praying the word of God, it's the Bible on a set of beads, it's portable prayer, it's going to bear fruit, it's going to give you peace, it's going to give you strength, it's going to increase in you virtue, it's going to help you to turn away from vice and sin. And the origins of this prayer are really interesting. It's really fascinating stuff because we can pinpoint when it was given to the church um, in the life of a particular saint, St. Dominic, and in fully approved um, stories that have come to us through tradition about how this particular saint was given it. So in the 13th century, St. Dominic, a, a very pious priest, um, was up against some, a group of heretics in southern France, and they were getting many people to leave the Catholic Church and preaching falsehoods. And so he got permission from his bishop to go on a preaching campaign. And he, he went out and he was a great speaker. He could, you know, he could really get people fired up, but he wasn't having a lot of fruit um, in this particular area with these heretics. And so the tradition says, affirmed by popes and saints and official documents and cyclicals, he went on a retreat in a uh, forest and that's when the tradition says that Our Lady came to him and equipped him with a dynamic form of preaching and praying. Um, and it was called the rosary. But there were antecedents to it, what she gave to him. There were already forms of it that were being used, like the Our Father prayer, the Pater Noster prayer, mm -hmm. the Ave Maria prayer, right? Again, right out of the New Testament. 
um, people had already been praying on on beads and uh, as a form of like counting their 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 penitential practices and such. But Our Lady really combined all of these and gave him this spiritual weapon. She called it. She called it specifically a battering ram, which I love. Hmm. That is so cool. And she said uh, that there are mysteries that he should associate it with. And we know those now as the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious. And of course, now we have the luminous mysteries, you know, that came later. Um, And those mysteries were the exact mysteries that the heretics were attacking. And so she told him to take this weapon out into the streets to preach it and have the people pray it. And it would bear fruit, right? The word of God never comes back void. It bears fruit. So when he did that, all of a sudden, his efforts were tremendous. And all these heretics were coming back into the church. People were, you know, just on fire for the Lord and these sacred saving mysteries. And ever since then, the rosary is probably the most recognized of all Catholic devotions. You know, even people who are not Catholic, they they generally know what a rosary looks like or what a rosary yeah, is. That's true. It's that recognizable. So really amazing stuff, really cool stuff. Wow, I love that. Yes, yeah, so a 13th century Saint Dominic, uh, and and that is um, what we understand. Um, he is definitely uh, a real champion of the rosary in that regard. But uh, what I love about your book, leading up to that point, it wasn't sort of overnight. You, it is a combination of a few things going on. Uh, can we just unpack a bit of that? How it was built, like so, um, yeah. like the angelic salutation that you talk about in the book, and 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 how right. common that was, and. Um, and how biblical everything is. It is it is basically the Bible on beads, but but can we right. go back a little bit and how it took centuries to get to where, to that point? Um, right. What were some yeah. of the components there? Yeah, sure. So in the beginning of the book, right, I, I got my big fat copy here too. Yes. <laughs> um, I really tried, I tried to do some historical research to, to show the origins of these things. And obviously the Our Father prayer, I mean, that comes right out of the New Testament, the lips of our Lord himself, right? Um, that's kind of easy to see. But then um, the Hail Mary prayer, as we pray it, it really has several sections to it. So it has the angelic salutation when the angel comes to Our Lady and says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Um, But then there's that second part of it where we have um, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. So if you remember in the New Testament, when Mary goes to her relative Elizabeth, mm. filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, Elizabeth, you know, says this beautiful phrase to the Virgin Mary. So the church combined those two to form the first half of the Hail Mary prayer. And for a long time, that was all that saints used. That was all that was considered the Hail Mary at that time. And it wasn't until uh, after Our Lady actually gave the rosary to St. Dominic, that the second half of the Hail Mary uh, prayer came into existence, because this is the part that that 10% of the rosary that's not in the New Testament, but it's fascinating how and why it came about. So the second half of the Hail Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So where did that come from? Well, In the 14th century, there was a plague that hit Europe, the Black Death, a devastated Europe. I think it was like one third of the population of Europe died. 
Wow. Um, really horrific. It's unbelievable to even wow. think of those kind of numbers, right? Just really scary. So the people were worried about death. And so as they were praying the rosary and the church approved this, they began to invoke the immediacy of their possible death by saying, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, because they really thought they were going to die. One third of Europe died. So that prayer came into existence from, you know, God's people and the church authorities put the official stamp on it. And that's how we ended up with the Hail Mary prayer that we have today. And then you've got the glory be prayer, right? Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, which, you know, that that Trinitarian prayer, um, again, it's just kind of uh, obvious to pray something like that. And so that that makes up the bulk of the prayers. Over time, we would get other additions, like at Fatima, when Our Lady said to the children, you know, oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. That beautiful prayer that she gave to the visionaries, that now has been added on to it. It's a beautiful prayer. Um, but then, you know, backing up again, going back, before Our Lady gave this beautiful prayer to St. Dominic, there were already certain things that were kind of independent and being used in different ways, like a set of beads where people would pray Pater Noster prayers, Our Fathers, or another one would be um, an, a, a Psalter, uh, an Ave Maria Psalter, an angelic Psalter, where people would pray the Hail Mary on, the, on those set of beads, it's sometimes for different practices and, 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 and purposes, counting your, your penitential you know, things that you were doing. But the key thing is that nobody was really meditating on mysteries while they were doing that. They were just praying the prayers without really thinking about a particular aspect of the life of our Lord. They were just doing the prayers. And that's wonderful to do. It's great to pray those prayers. But Our Lady brought in all these elements when she equipped St. Dominic with this new form, kind of um, turning the, the Marian Psalter, as it was called, into a form of preaching and praying to be used, really, to help people to come back to the fullness of the truth. And, you know, how wonderful Our Lady is, because a mother does that, right? Yeah. She, she has the ability to, to take the ingredients in the kitchen, all separate in different cabinets, and bring it together and make something wonderful for her children. And that's exactly what she did in the rosary in the 13th century. That's beautiful. Um, I love, so the, the Psalter, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, uh, idea there because the, the Psalter, as we, as, as many in the church know, maybe not many outside know, but, but the Psalter of the, the Psalms that are prayed by uh, many religious uh, that, that would do that, uh, 150 Psalms, uh, we know. Yeah. Um, the, being a, a Marian Psalter, would that have been the link there? What, what, what was going on? Why was it called the Psalter? Is that linked to the divine office uh, because of that? Right. Yeah, so, you know, at that time, the monks were, were required to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, right? So they would pray the 150 Psalms. But, you know, back then, the majority of people actually did not know how to read. So it was the more educated monks that were able to pray it in Latin, but the majority of them were not able to pray it. And so their superiors, their abbots, you know, um, gave them permission to substitute the praying of it in Latin, oftentimes by praying the Marian Psalter. So just praying the, the Hail Marys or even the Pater Noster beads because they, 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 they didn't know how to read. So 
um, it was a, a way of substitution for what the others were able to do in choir in the monasteries by praying the Psalms and, and reading the Psalms. So really, you know, understandable. Now everybody can read today, right? But back then it, that wasn't the case. So again, Our Lady used all of those things and they came into existence at various times throughout history in the monasteries and Cistercians and Benedictines. And Our Lady brought it all together and turned that Marian Psalter into this spiritual weapon, the rosary. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And it is a weapon. And I love the way you describe it as a weapon, uh, um, sometimes a, a good weapon, it takes time. And that's why it took yeah. centuries because we had to perfect and get it to that point. And it, it was meant for that time. And now today, more than ever, uh, we can pray this. Uh, uh, was it St. Padre Pio that called it a weapon? Um, literally? Oh, yeah. Uh, Him and many others. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, should we, So what was it like... Um, how how did it spread so quick? So after Saint Dominic, um, he's now got yeah. this gift, uh, the combination of the of the verbal words, if you like, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and now mm -hmm. with this meditative side of it, the the life of Christ. Um, and then was it did it was it popular right away? Was it something that just took mm -hmm. off really quickly and spread yeah. across the globe? What can you tell us a bit about? Yeah, that? it it spread pretty much immediately but it didn't go global because remember the the uh great catholic missionaries they didn't go out to the ends of the earth till the 16th century mm -hmm. so it was rather regional in southern france and in parts of spain because that's where saint dominic was originally from and he founded an association of prayer that would become known as the confraternity of the rosary so he's the founder of that right sometimes people say oh no that's a legend Actually, it isn't. Just because he didn't call it the confraternity doesn't mean he didn't found this association of prayer. It would get the name confraternity later uh, because a lot of those came into existence a few centuries afterwards, that name. But in Rome, actually, he founded an association to promote this gift that he was given by Our Lady. But unfortunately, you know, in the 14th century, something tragic happened, which I, had, I have already mentioned, and yes. that was the Black Plague, right? The, the Black Death that just devastated Europe, one third of the population died. So during that time, you know, people were trying to survive and certain places actually, you know, more or less stopped praying the rosary because people were dying and they were worried about, you know, what needing to take care of themselves on a daily basis. But it did survive in many places, like in England, for example. Um, you know, the Black Plague hit England as well, even though it's an island, a big island. Uh, it hit there as well, but not to the effect that it did in mainland Europe. And so in England, the rosary really um, survived in a big way. What happened was after the Black Plague, um, people began to go back to the charisms of their founders because those things have been kind of lost during this time of survival. So the Franciscans had a renewal movement. They wanted to get back to the ideals, the radical poverty of St. Francis. Um, other religious communities had the same thing. Carmelites wanted to get back to a lot of their asceticism, a lot of other communities, and then the Dominicans as well. And one of those aspects was returning to the rosary in, in a big way. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, I go into great detail because I, I did a lot of research and learned things that I wasn't even aware of. There was this one um, real academic Dominican. Most Dominicans are very academic. And his name was Father Alan de la Roche. Yeah. And he was living in Brittany at the time, which is like northwest France, 
close to the English Channel there, so just just across the water from England. And he began to receive um, visions of our Lord from Our Lady and even St. Dominic. And they were telling him to renew the Dominican Rosary because in many instances it had been forgotten. And he didn't do it initially. Can you believe it? I mean, you get an apparition and you think, okay, I need to take this seriously, but he didn't do it. Then um, he was really rebuked by our Lord. Uh, Our Lord actually said to him, the world is filled with ravenous wolves and you unfaithful dog know not how to bark. I mean, (laughs) I mean, how would you like to be on the receiving end of that? You know, so he kicked it in gear at that point and began to spread it everywhere renewed the confraternity of the rosary and even kings began to join the confraternity and then it spread everywhere then a century later the great missionaries went out and they took it to the ends of the earth but let me say something here important because some people might have heard you know what i said there that our lord said calling this priest an unfaithful dog Mm. seems a little harsh right people might be like oh my that's yikes jesus is a, a little rough there you know why would he do that well this is fascinating. I love this. So St. Dominic's mother, um, whose name is Juana, right? They were from Spain. She's now a blessed, by the way, blessed Juana. Um, when she was pregnant, she had a vision where she saw, and this is a scary vision if you were a pregnant woman, she saw a dog leaping from her body with a torch in its mouth, racing throughout the world, um, starting fire, Right. Now, she didn't think much of it, other than probably it was rather odd. But when she gave birth to her son, she named him Dominic. Well, that's the young boy who grew up to be a priest and St. Dominic. He founded the Order of Preachers, which became more kind of commonly known as the Dominicans, using his name. But in Latin, it's it's really amazing, because if you break that word apart etymologically in Latin, uh, Dominicanis, it means the dogs of God. That's who the Dominicans are. And Veritas is, is their title, right? Their, their, their motto. And so they, they charge throughout the world like a pack of dogs, the dogs of God, uh, extinguishing heresy with the light of truth, with the flame of truth. And wow. so when Jesus rebuked that Dominican priest, he said to him, you unfaithful dog, Dominicanis, you're a son of St. Dominic and you're not barking, right? So I love those kind of wow, stories. Wow, that, that is powerful. <laughs> oh. Well, um, th- this is amazing. The, the the power of the rosary. Can we touch on? A lot of people might not realize. I mean, it sounds just repeating uh, prayers might sound mm. a little bit um, for some people pointless or uh, repetitive and 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 sort of boring. Uh, but it really is. Once you enter into it and let it wash over you, you start getting into this sort of meditative state. Um, it, it is it is quite powerful. I've I've experienced myself uh, just visualizing. Uh, I just got yeah. back from the Holy Land and the scenes, being able to see the Annunciation scene, the Visitation, the Nativity right. Church, and right. and seeing these places, being in Jerusalem, and um, and actually it's changed the way I meditate on the Rosary now because I can visualize mm. it. Um, mm. But then, what what would you say uh, to those people who who still they might understand the outside of it, looking at it? Okay, it's a mm. yeah, it goes fifteen twenty minutes. It's a bit a bit boring, a bit hard to do. Um, what would you say to those people who just struggle with it? Right. Well, I think we all struggle with having our attention focused on one thing for 20 minutes, right? We're not angels. We can't pinpoint on something and with no distractions. You know, I'm, 
majority of the time I'm three Hail Marys deep and I'm squirrel, you know, I get distracted. Yeah. It's, it's normal. And God understands that we're children, right? <laughs> to God, he understands that. But, you know, you brought up a great point, right? You recently went on that pilgrimage to the Holy Land. So you, you were literally physically in the sacred saving places where the mysteries went down, where they took place. Yes. Well, many people, if they're blessed, they're able to go on such a pilgrimage, but many people can't because they have don't have the means or they have a huge family. It's just going to cost you know, a lot of money to get those yeah. tickets for a, a huge family. Okay. But you can make a daily pilgrimage by praying the rosary. That's what the rosary is. The praying of the rosary daily is to make a pilgrimage on a daily basis in your mind and in your heart as you're meditating and praying on these mysteries to the locations of the sacred and saving mysteries. You, you go to uh, the, the agony in the garden, you go to Cana, you go to Bethlehem, you go to Calvary, you go to the Transfiguration Mount, all these places. That's what you do when you pray the rosary. So that's not vain, right? Um, even though we get distracted, we got to bring our mind back to the mystery, just like the saints talk about St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. We all love the little flower. But even she said she struggled to pray the rosary, because she got distracted, a little French girl, you know, thinking about all kinds of stuff. But she always brought her mind and heart back. And I call that like giving God butterfly kisses, right? He's a father and children are distracted. And, and it doesn't matter if we're 50 years old, like myself or whatever, we're going to get distracted. And so we're just giving God butterfly kisses when we bring our distracted minds back to the mysteries. And that's pleasing to God. And it's going to transform us. The power of the rosary is transformative because it puts things in perspective. It helps you to have peace of mind, to have hope. Um, to overcome addictions, to overcome vices. It's like an antidote to get the poison of the world out. Wow. You know, we're, we're visual people. What is it that so many people are suffering from today in a huge way? Everyone, I, I wish I could say only men, but even the ladies today, many of them, pornography, for example. Yeah. You know, we see these things, the images get into our minds, then into our hearts, then we act out and we're in mortal sin. Well, we've got an antidote and visuals into our mind, into our heart, and then we turn away from sin and we're virtuous. Um, it's a lifeline. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's thrown from heaven by Our Lady to help us in the turbulent waters of this fallen world um, so that we don't drown, so that we don't sink. And so, you know, some people will often say, oh, but Father, I hear what you're saying, and that, that sounds good. But didn't Jesus say to avoid vain repetition? He did. He did say that. And he meant it, right? He's, he's God. But the emphasis is on vain repetition. Yes. Is this vain repetition? No. It's repetitious. But, you know, even our Lord prayed repetitious prayers. He prayed the Psalms. Take a look at the Psalms. They are very repetitious. For, for his mercy endures forever. Then you say some other things. For his mercy endures forever. Say some more things. For his mercy endures forever. That's the basis of pretty much every Psalm. It's repetitious. But it's not vain repetition because you're praying the word of God. Well, mm -hmm. what the Psalms were for the Old Testament, the rosary is for the New Testament. And so it's, it's you know, a loving repetition. It's like saying, like, like the great venerable Fulton Sheen said, you never tire of saying to your spouse, honey, I love you. I love you. I love you. And the spouse never tires of hearing it. What wife would say if a husband said to her all throughout the day, honey, I love you, she would say, stop already. You know, that, you're making me sick here. I'm so offended. No, of course not. She would love it, right? Well, when we pray the Hail Mary repetitiously, not vain, the word of God, we're saying to God and to Our Lady, 
I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. They're not offended by that. They're delighted by that. So I know it can be difficult. We all get distracted, but persevere. Love perseveres. Yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, maybe just uh, did you uh, at the start when you were introduced to the rosary for the first time, what was it like for yourself? Just a personal <laughs> testament on that. Oh, well, you know, that first book you held up, No Turning Back. Yes. I recount the story of when I first encountered the rosary with some Filipino yeah. women praying <laughs> it in a church. I did not know what the rosary was. And I thought they, I thought I had walked into like some Wiccan coven. I had no idea what these women were doing. And they wanted me to participate. And they asked me to pray the next decade. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant, right? Decade meant 10 years to me at that time. <laughs> so I had bizarre stuff. I had no idea. And then they took me under their wing as the days went by and they, they taught me what it was. And, and I fell in love with it. And before long, I was leading the decades. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it, it helped me so much because it helped me with so many of the vices that I suffered from in my life mm. to get that stuff out, to purge me, to purify me of all that filth, of all that garbage, uh, and to get my mind and my heart focused on Jesus Christ. And when you make that a daily part of your life, like a daily medicinal, you know, practice, that sacramental leads you to the sacraments. It led me to confession. It led me to the Eucharist. Um, and that's what all these sacramentals are geared to do. And so 20 minutes a day, brother, that's all it takes. We walk our dog sometimes for more than 20 minutes a day. We're on social media for hours, 20 yeah. minutes, a well-prayed rosary, and it'll change your life. So good. So good. Uh, now, not only change lives, but change uh, outcomes of war. And, uh, and, and could we touch on just a couple of uh, examples of the power of this prayer uh, in history? Lepanto, uh, we got it. I mean, you, you put it in the book and the feast, October 7, we commemorate um, that, that very event uh, when yep. we basically, can you t touch on, on what happened there at Lepanto, the Battle of Lepanto? Yeah, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, it's probably the most well-known one. Yeah. Um, so in the 16th century, um, there was a lot going on, right? We had the Protestant, you know, what's called the Reformation, but it really wasn't a reforming of anything. It was, it was a tragedy. You know, we had a splintering in Christianity and there was a certain group that really wanted to take advantage of that uh, a fractured brotherhood. And that was radical Islam. They wanted to conquer Rome. To get Rome was to basically take over Christianity. So they saw an opportune time to do that. You know, Christianity is now divided. You've got the Catholics, you've got all these breakoff groups, the Protestants and such. So now's a really good time to attack. Um, well, um, and forgive me for all my wiping my forehead. I'm sweating here. It's California and the, this light is like giving me a tan right now. Okay. <laughs> um, so this gr radical group wanted to conquer Christianity. And at the time, and this is so cool. I love these historical little tidbits. The Pope at that time was a dog of God, a Dominican, Dominican. right? Yeah, Pope St. Pius V. And so he wasn't just going to wait in dialogue about it when they showed up on his doorstep, you know. He said, I need to form a militia and to defend Christianity. So he did that. He formed a militia. And many people came to the defense of Christianity because they knew what was about to go down. A, a massive naval fleet was being created by the, the Ottoman Turks, the, the radical mm -hmm. Muslims, that were, they were going to come and they were going to conquer Rome. So he got people from Spain and from, from Venice and uh, other areas to, to, to come. And he gave them all rosaries. He blessed them. He gave them a plenary indulgence for entering into this 
victory or this this battle to save the West, to save Christianity, and he sent them out to, to look for um, this naval fleet. And they found them in a bay in Greece uh, called Lepanto. Everything was against the Christian fleet. The skill, the manpower, the weather, everything was against them. But the Pope and many people back in mainland Europe were praying the rosary for a victory. And we won that decisive battle. And people like um, uh, Cervantes was in that battle, you know, the famous donkey, author of Don Quixote, and many others were at that, that decisive battle. And it was a glorious victory. And everybody, including the Pope, attributed the victory to Our Lady of the Rosary. Mm -hmm. And so initially, a feast day was established, recognizing that vic victory as Our Lady of Victory. That's what it was called. But then people said, well, this is true, but the rosary played such a de decisive part in this that the church actually changed the title to Our Lady of the Rosary. And that's the feast that we celebrate on October 7th. And every true historian, right, today people want to reinterpret history and, you yeah. know, it's, it's crazy. Everybody's so, you know, politically correct and woke these days. Everything is changing. But the fact is, every true historian knows that it was that battle, the Battle of Lepanto, and 1571 that saved the West from Islamic takeover. Um, and so that's that's a huge one. There's been a lot of other ones, yes. but that's the most well-known one. Wow, thank you. That is powerful. I know I mistakenly mixed up because it was against uh, the Muslims. I thought the, uh, the the croissant came out of it, but that's a different uh, event. Uh, are you familiar with where the croissant came from? Uh, you know, I did hear I about that September. one time. Um, our Lady, another another battle, and it contributed Our Lady conquering um, uh, the Muslims, and and so then the croissant was sort of a reminder. It would have been a French battle, of course, and um, right. I got some homework to do to, to to share with people the link of the story of where the croissant oh, awesome. came from, but it's linked to the crescent. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, now, uh, just a, maybe a couple more before we wrap up. I know we have we haven't got too much time, but. Uh, it is the month of the rosary. Uh, the, the church encourages us to pray. But I, I love hearing these stories, the miracles mm. attributed to the rosary, because it just reminds us that it is powerful. This humble, simple uh, prayer that yeah. anyone can do does have power. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've shared so much in this book, uh, and there's so many beautiful images of Our Lady holding the rosary in many different forms. Um, any others that you could share with us that come to mind that you can um, encourage people about some stories of the rosary any other ones yeah oh there's so many i mean i i encourage people to get the book because there's yes. you know we could be here for hours as you know but one of my personal favorites is um the story of a man named bartolo longo okay um now blessed bartolo but if people aren't familiar with him what i'm about to tell you is just going to really blow your mind i mean it's incredible so this guy was born near naples in italy in the 19th century and he was Catholic, of course, right, in Italy, but he went off to college to study law, and he lost the faith. He, he, he began to, there was a movement at that time really against Christianity in Italy, and he began to be told that, no, that's just old wives' tales. Those are legends, Christianity, you know, nah, you need to be, you're educated now, and you can move on from those, those fairy tales. And so he, he believed that, but he was still searching. So in college, he got involved with a group of people who went to like seances mm -hmm. and he found a certain, I don't know, community there. And he felt kind of empowered 
And he got so into it that he was frequenting them all the time. And then in his own words, so this isn't me just saying this for dramatic effect, he became an ordained priest of Satan by attending all of these things and being a leader of these things. Um, you know, really crazy stuff. I mean, even me in my crazy days when I was involved in so many bad things, I, I didn't worship the devil, you know, but he did. Um, and this is what he says. These are his words. Um, so what was the fruit of that for him? It was depression, anxiety. He had, you know, severe problems sleeping. He suffered from uh, hallucinations, all kinds of stuff. And even to the point of wanting to commit suicide, he was so depressed. That was the fruit of being involved in the occult. And at that time, what we call like today, new age, a hundred plus years ago, it was called spiritism because they were invoking spirits at these sessions um, and calling them down and speaking to them, communing with them, uh, really bad stuff. So after this severe depression for him and wanting to even take his own life, he humbled himself and he went and he talked to a Catholic priest. What kind of priest did he talk to? A dog of God, a son of St. <laughs> Dominic, a Dominican priest, yeah, right? So amazing. Father um, Alberto Radente. So he went to this Dominican and the Dominican told him, Bartolo, your way out of the occult is the rosary. It will be an anchor for you to, to, to ground you again in the sacred saving mysteries. And so he humbled himself. He began to pray the rosary and he actually became a third order Dominican. He took the name Brother Rosario and he renounced all the occult and even barged into a seance on one occasion with his friends there, held up a rosary. And he, and he said to them, I love this, right? Took the rosary and he said to them, repent, right? To his friends that were in, in the midst of doing a seance, invoking, you know, the dead. And they kicked him out, of course, made fun of him and everything. But he began a campaign and a mission, an apostolate to renew the rosary in the ancient destroyed city of Pompeii. Remember, I, destroyed by Vesuvius, you know, in like the second century or whatever it was. Um, it, nothing had come of that city. He began orphanages, schools, places for unwed mothers, all kinds of stuff. And he built what is now the world's most famous shrine dedicated to the rosary. A lot of us, you know, we may not be aware of it, but in Europe, they're aware of it. It's the, the Pontifical Basilica of Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii. Bartolo Longo is the one who helped with the construction of that, building that. Um, the three last popes have been there. It's I've been there myself. It's amazing. It's such a beautiful church. Wow. And now a former worshiper of Satan is a blessed of the church, blessed Bartolo Longo, beatified, I think, in 1980 by St. John wow. Paul II. So Anybody who's watching this or listening to this, if you have family members, especially children who are involved in the occult, you have an intercessor and in blessed Bartolo Longo. Um, he knew it well. He was in the depths of it, wanting to even take his own life. And it was the rosary that got him out of that stuff. And so I wish more of his stuff was available in English. Still yeah. to this day, the majority of his stuff, and he wrote a lot, is only available in Italian and maybe a few other of the Romance languages, maybe French and, and Spanish, maybe. Mm, but yeah, so I did a lot of research on him and had friends translate things from Italian to get a whole section about him in my book. Because to me, his story is just so unique and so powerful that the rosary can even help people to overcome the occult. Yeah, that's excellent. Wow, thank you. You mentioned a shrine. Um, 
as you were saying that, I was thinking of as, as a, a huge shrine um, that's about to be complete in Lebanon. If you've heard about this, it's going to be the largest rosary on the planet. And what they've done is every single Hail Mary, there's a chapel. And the idea is you walk from one bead to the next and you've got a chapel. And, and, and so there's 50 chapels <laughs> um, all, all across the land there. And it's view, you could view it from space. Uh, this this hasn't been um, officially sort of opened yet, but it's 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 almost done. So look out for that. This will be the largest rosary uh, um, on earth. <laughs> You'll see. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, I got to find phenomenal. out more about that. Yes, it will go for kilometers as you as you go around. It's just a huge wow. huge thing. So look out for that. And I'll, I'll once mm. I I'll see if I get some imagery up um, for people to be aware of this. But Ooh. yeah, quite exciting. That's coming out, I think, in the next few months, if yeah, if Ooh. I'm not mistaken, at least by 2023, uh, it will be done. Um, do we have room for one more story, Father, before we, we we close? Is there anything else you could share on that? Yeah, sure. You know, one that's really kind of pertinent to today is, um, you know, we were given a a real gift, in my opinion, and it's an option. You know, a lot of people, they kind of freak out over it. A lot of people get upset that we have a new set of mysteries, right? The luminous uh, mysteries, yes. right? So it's an option. You're not obligated to make it part of your rosary. Okay. A lot of people, you know, they they really hold to the connection of the 150 Psalms and the 150, you know, Hail Marys. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, no problem with that. I understand that, right? But you know, what's interesting is um, these luminous mysteries, a lot of people think that St. John Paul II is the originator of them, and he's actually not. Um, they were uh, kind of created or came up with um, in the 1950s by St. George Preca on the island of Malta. Okay. And they're fascinating mysteries because in light of the times in which we live, there are certain things being attacked today that were not being attacked in the 13th century when Our Lady gave the three sets of mysteries to St. Dominic. So just quickly to go through them, because it's important, yes. I think, for people to know that so that they're not really kind of taken aback by these luminous mysteries and maybe understand them a little bit better. Um, you know, how many people today are having their children baptized? Not a lot. Mm. As a priest, I hear it all the time. Oh, no, Father, I'm going to let them grow up to make that decision for themselves. Well, that, that's horrible parenting 101. That's another issue. But would you say that about food, right? Would you say, well, I'm going to let them decide if they want to eat? Oh, they're going to die, right? You have parental responsibilities to feed your baby and to bring them up in the faith, which means you baptize right. them. But so many people are not doing that today. So we get the baptism of Jesus, right? Because you think, well, why would we focus on these particular mysteries and these luminous mysteries? Because these are the mysteries that are being attacked today, just like the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious were being attacked in the 13th century. So the second luminous mystery, the wedding feast of Cana, this one should be obvious, right? People in most cultures today, governments and such, have redefined marriage so that two dudes can get married or two women or whatever. Um, no, this is not right. This is wrong. And so we have this mystery to meditate upon where it's a man and a woman at a wedding and that's the only kind of wedding that Jesus is at, the wedding feast of Cana. That for us, we're making reparation. We're consoling the heart of Jesus today when we pray the second luminous mystery, the wedding feast of Cana. One man, one woman, right? The, the third luminous mystery, the, the proclamation of the kingdom and call to conversion. Today we have 
religious pluralism. People think, oh, Jesus is one option among many. You can follow Buddha or Muhammad or Taoism or Shintoism or, or whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. All paths lead to heaven. Nonsense. Jesus is not a guru. He's not one of many teachers to follow. He's God. Mm, yes. He's God. And we need to convert. And most people today, they're not familiar with that language of conversion. What is conversion? What are you talking about? Turning away from the world. What, what is this? We, 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 we need to get back to that because we're not doing that today. And that leads into the fourth luminous mission, the transfiguration. Again, Jesus is luminous. He's God almighty, right? He's, he's not just one of the prophets. He's, he's a prophet, yes, but he's more than a prophet. He's God. And, you know, when, when you behold his glory, you just want to bask in it. You want to be there forever with him. That's vitally important for our times when there's so much confusion about who Jesus is. Then you get into the um, institution of the Eucharist. See, this to me as a priest breaks my heart. I mean, here in North America, a survey was taken about three years ago now that showed, and this hurts for me to even say, 69% of Catholics no, no longer believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. That's a big number. This is a tragedy. Wow. I mean, this is an attack. This, this, what happened, right? So no wonder that we would be offered an option to pray this mystery of the institution of the Eucharist, to get back to um, this, this core truth, the greatest of all sacraments, the Eucharist. And so don't be offended by the luminous mysteries. That You don't have to pray them, right? They're an option. They were given to us in, by John Paul II in 2002 in a letter on the rosary, originating in the 1950s with St. George Preca. And I, can, I call them like this, right? I always call the rosary a sword. Yes. The Dominicans wear the rosary on their left side. Most religious orders do because it shows it's a sword, a spiritual sword, because most people are right-handed. So you unsheathe your sword from your left side. That's why they wear it on the left. So it's a spiritual sword. So all that we have in the Luminous Mysteries is a modern-day sword, a, a lightsaber mm. to conquer the darkness of our times, these particular mysteries that are being attacked. And I pray them myself. And I encourage others to, to at least try the Luminous Mysteries. Again, you're not obligated. Nobody's forcing it upon you. But I think that, you know, it's a good way to, um, to combat some of these things that are really bad in our day. And also to console Jesus, to make, to make reparation to the heart of our Savior, because so many things of these things are offensive to him. Yes. And um, we can smother him with those butterfly kisses now in the Luminous Mysteries. That's beautiful. Um... Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was powerful. And that's, you gave us a little taste on, on what to do with any of the mysteries. It's, it's really just dive in and see uh, what mm -hmm. they mean for us. And, and that, that really is the, is the key for, mm -hmm. for praying the rosary, these meditative parts on the life of Christ. And anyone who has a problem meditating on the life of Christ, I mean, we've got to ask where that comes from. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I mean, our Lord uh, is there to meditate on the life of Christ. What harm mm -hmm. is there to be praying extra right. Uh, on the life of Christ. I mean, it's only a good thing. I, I can only imagine. So yeah. now, thank you very much for sharing that, Father. And um, as we wrap up, this is the month of the Rosary, the Feast of the Rosary on October seven, and then, and obviously, I hope people do uh, take up this habit, a daily habit of praying this Rosary. But not just for the month of October, of course, but hopefully get into the habit, and then beyond October to keep praying this this prayer, this Psalter, this uh, Bible on a on a on a rope. Uh, just a, a, any final thoughts, Father, just to, uh, as, we, as we close uh, in today's podcast. 
Yeah, I just second what you said, you know, give it a try and, and don't be discouraged when you get distracted. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody prayed a perfect rosary, but St. Padre Pio probably, right? I think <laughs> he did a lot started. of them. <laughs> yeah, he did. He certainly did. So give it a try. Um, it really will bless your life. And um, yeah, just let it let it be a part of your spiritual life, your daily life. And um, I pretty much guarantee you, you're going to see a difference in your life, in your behavior, in your language, in the things you entertain yourself with. You're going to want to be closer to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. For sure. Wow. Challenges on. I, that's it. I, I second the challenge and and I pray that we all just take it up and give it a give it a go. If you've not prayed it uh, before, start with a decade, build up, get the five decades in and 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 watch what happens. It's 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 impacted my life. Obviously, Father Calloway's life has written two books on it. <laughs> and, and just a reminder, you could get the encyclopedia on the rosary, this one here. Um, the champions of the rosary and you'll learn more about even individuals promoting it in history. It's powerful and beautiful imagery there at the back. And then there's this other uh, smaller book on the rosary, which is the 10 wonders of the rosary. Um, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice one there as well. You might want to grab all at perusiamedia.com right now. It's all available in Australia and New Zealand, which we're very excited. And outside of that, you know where to go, go straight to um, the Marian website or father, you have your own website there that where do we point people to? Yeah, so my my the Marian's created two websites for me. One is just fathercalloway.com. Okay. You got to spell out the father part. So fathercalloway.com. That one's cool because it shows all the pilgrimages that I do. I lead a lot Excellent. of pilgrimages as well. And then the other one is um, for that really famous consecration to St. Joseph. So uh, yes. it's consecration to stjoseph.org. We got everything dealing with that um, whole latest movement in the church. Praise God. All right. I'll make sure everyone goes there. Um, would you mind just give us a final blessing, Father, as we, as, we, as we sign off here today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, pour down your graces and mercies upon all the listeners, for their families, their intentions, especially for greater conversions of heart, those who are away, that they would come back. We ask this through the intercession of Our Lady, the great St. Joseph, and St. Dominic, the founder of the Rosary. And we give this blessing, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise God. God bless you, Father Calloway. And God bless everyone else uh, watching today. Thank you. I hope you've been encouraged from today's interview. And get those beads and pray them and, and watch the impact. That's another P Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarash. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to the Perusia podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.